Welcome into episode 60 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I am happy to be joined by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how are you doing today? Doing well, Jack. It's uh, definitely a good day. It, it most certainly is. Now, you guys are getting this on a very weird day, uh, so things are going to be obviously a little bit different. You're getting this on a Saturday evening. You may be listening to this on a Sunday or, or maybe even, you know, if you're catching up after Sunday football or whatever, you're catching up on Monday or whatever the case is. So we recorded uh, – I, I recorded with Zach Gagan of, of KSR. He's our NBA guru. You know, we, we did an individual episode to kind of break down how the NBA playoffs went and all that earlier in the week. And, uh, and uh, I had a, a couple interviews scheduled for later in the week with Hunter Salas and his and his head coach at Millard North, and I decided that, okay, I'll put the the NBA episode to start the week, and then we'll end the week with, with a big episode with Hunter Salas and, and his coach. So uh, we decided to, to go that route, and it just so happened to fall in line with Kentucky football defeating Tennessee down in Knoxville, first time at Neyland Stadium since 1984. Sean, you were there. So – Originally, I was just going to record a quick little intro. I mean, we got a ton of good content, absolutely fantastic interviews with Hunter Salas and, and his coach. Um, that I mean, that's going to be the bulk of our show today. We're not going to get into you know a bunch of the nitty gritty with recruiting. It's good. this is going to be a very interview heavy show. But I figured, Sean, you are driving home from Neyland Stadium right now, historic day in Kentucky football. I just I just had to ask over the airwaves, how the hell? Did that happen, and how enjoyable was it to see a, a Kentucky win in Knoxville for the first time in your life? Jack, I have no idea how the result – like, the result that doesn't really surprise me, but the margin of victory, I never in my wildest dreams would I ever thought that Kentucky would – their first win in Knoxville in my lifetime and your lifetime would just be an absolute blowout. I actually – I stuck around. I think I wrote five or six pieces – I recorded a podcast, you know, like how we did at Florida last yeah. year, the big win. When there's a win like that, and yeah. just so much stuff, you're just digging in notes. And then all the records and all the stuff coming out in the game notes, and there's still things coming out in the Kentucky defense. Uh, Jack, a week ago, I was on my way to cover the Mississippi State game, and I was talking to you know our friend Derek Terry, and I told him, I said, Derek, I said, if, if Kentucky loses this game tonight, you could make a case that they could start 0-6 because yeah. Missouri had just beaten LSU. My, how things have changed in seven days because now Jeez. this team, with the schedule change, Jack, this team has a chance to get above 500. Who would have Who would have thought that after the 0-2 start? I mean, I'm telling you, I, I, I sent this tweet out. I don't know if there's another 2-2 two and two team in college football that I would take over Kentucky right now. Arkansas is playing very, very good right now. You know, there, I mean, there are, a, a, you know, several other – programs that are that you know that that are un flying under the radar that have kind of turned things around after rough starts sim you know kind of the same way that, that Kentucky did but I'm telling you when you look at Kentucky's you know linebacking court you look at what they're doing in the secondary right now getting I mean nine interceptions in the last two games I mean you know just what they're doing across the board I mean last week it was you know two weeks ago it was only offense last week it was only defense this week still a little bit more on the defense you know still a little bit too defensive heavy we still got you know got to fix a couple things offensively but I mean this was 
one of the most complete performances we've seen in Kentucky football in a long time, especially against the opponent, the, the you know, where the game was, who the opponent was, how things had been going earlier in the year. I mean, this was just something that, I mean, there's not a single person on this planet that that anticipated or predicted this outcome. And, uh, and I'm just – I mean, I, I just had to talk. I just had to talk. This is my platform to, you know, put put thoughts and, and opinions and kind of just say what's on my mind. Uh, and I know this is a basketball recruiting podcast, and this is, you know, we, we almost never talk about football. But, I mean, this is just something that it, I, no, anybody listening to this should at least, you know, realize just how massive of a victory this was for the program. And, I, I mean, we, we saw after the game Mark Stoops talk about it, give the game ball to John Schlarman. There's just so much behind-the-scenes stuff that went into this win that just, just I mean, just tell how, how, how big it was for the program. Well, you know, you mentioned that, that this is a basketball recruiting podcast and basketball podcast it is, but you also see John Calipari tweet his congratulations yeah. to the Kentucky football team. and. It was a huge win. That's one of those things, Jack, where Mark Stoops just continues to exercise some of Kentucky's darkest demons. Mm-hmm. And it was Florida, the streak. It was, you know, beating Tennessee a couple of years ago, getting them now in Neyland Stadium. The He's now beaten every single team in the East besides Georgia. I think that's the next mm-hmm. hurdle that they have to clear. Uh, I even mentioned on Kentucky Daily earlier, Mississippi State. You know, that was a program that beat up on Kentucky for a decade. Now Stoops has won three of the last five. So you see, Sheesh. you see things changing with the program, but this feels like a win. Yes, it was huge to get back to two and two, but Jack, this is a win that actually is bigger for the years after this one. Well, and because you, yeah. you, it's a one that they had to win to sort of get that stigma away from, from Tennessee. Now that now when we go into that matchup every single year, there are no streaks to talk about. It's just Tennessee versus Kentucky. And honestly, there's a case to be made that Kentucky's had the better program for the last half decade, yeah. at least the last five years. Well, I mean, you you think of what Stoop said in the locker room afterward. I don't know if you saw that that uh, the you know players all had their Instagram lives going, and and the quote that he had uh, where he very explicitly said that he was very tired of talking about this streak. He except yeah. he threw a. a Couple mfers and and you know other uh, very colorful language in there to to describe his feelings. <laughs> those but, Instagram videos are the best content after he, games, aren't fan, they? Fantastic. Because that gets us inside the locker room. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and you know th- that was a you know he had to get this off of his back. He had to get that weight off of his shoulders. Of you know, like you said, the only one that he has left now is Georgia. He is he has toppled every single yes. barrier, every single you know he's punched through every single wall uh i mean and, and you kind of go back to that 2014 year when when they upset south carolina at home the blackout i mean it was just such a massive game for the program um you know just kind of establishing some sort of identity under stoops and after the game you know uk upset them uh you know it was a high scoring game really just you know the bud dupree pick six i mean it's just such a such a memorable outcome and game and Stoops went uh, called into the KSR post game show, and uh, he had that just one of his most iconic lines of his of his tenure here at Kentucky with his uh, "We're just getting started, bro." Quote. And yeah. I mean, you think, and you know, every coach is supposed to say something like that, like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna keep rallying, we're gonna keep doing this," and you know, every coach tries to 
to, to do something along those lines and kind of establish that momentum and keep it going. But Stoops has actually, you know, put his money where his mouth is. And, I mean, he's done it. He, he's led them to a, you know, the most win since 1977 uh, with that Citrus Bowl year. You know, Benny Snell I mean, re- coached and developed, you know, some of the greatest players in Kentucky football history and Benny Snell, Josh Allen, Lynn Bowden, you know. I mean, four straight bowls, one, two of them. One of them was a Citrus Bowl. The other was a Belk Bowl. Like, I mean, you just go down the list, you know, outside of that Florida game. I mean, there are just so many just hurdles that he has just been clearing over and over and over again. And this was like the last big one before Georgia. And it's just like, you know, once – I mean, at some point that one's going to have to break too. And, and I mean, this just – how this has all unfolded has just been, I mean, wow. What what a freaking day it has been. This this win does so much yeah. for your program. It it does so much for the program currently this year. It does so much for the morale of the locker room. What it's done, Jack, is it's if Kentucky takes care of business at Missouri, which which will be tough. I mean, I think any any SEC opponent this year given the circumstances around COVID and the situation with that and how now the schedule's flipped and they'll play at Missouri before they play Georgia, it's weird. But if they take care of business, they're three and two. Depending on what happens tonight, while we're recording right now between Alabama and Georgia, there's a chance that Georgia walks into Kroger Field with Kentucky on a three-game winning streak. And, yes, it's only going to be 12,000 people in the stands, but the state of Kentucky is going to be buzzing Mm -hmm. about the football team. Yeah. it's another one of those opportunities where I'm not going to call a prediction that they're going to beat Georgia, but it's a, it's a chance. You give these guys a chance the way this defense is playing right now, that here's a, here's a crazy stat. They went from having no takeaways through the first two games to at one point today, not sure where it is now. They were third in the country in takeaways. And that's just all from the last two games. <laughs> that is, like, that's just that's stupid. <laughs> it's just stupid. And, but what it, what it's done to is, a few weeks ago, in my mind, I was thinking this team literally could go three and seven. And how will it be perceived mm-hmm. with the fans? Well, they take care of air, the air raid and Mike Leach in dominant fashion, two points. And you think, okay, maybe it's Mississippi State struggling. But then Kentucky's defense goes out there today and holds Tennessee to seven points in Neyland Stadium. And then you Shoot. go to two and two. And now you see a path if they take care of business against the programs that they're it should be better than the South Carolina, the Missouri, the Vanderbilt. There's a path to five and five. And if that's what they do, I think some of us preseason labeled five and five is a really good year in a 10 game SEC season, but they're going to have an opportunity to get that sixth win in my mm-hmm. opinion against yeah. somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And it, every year it kind of seems like Kentucky wins one that they shouldn't and loses one that they absolutely shouldn't. And, I could probably argue that we've already gotten through the one that they shouldn't and Ole Miss. Uh, you mean shoot at this point, you could probably argue Auburn as well because you know that was a game that UK had won in the first half, and you know they you know they were right there in the thick of things going into the fourth quarter. So you know, I said a couple of weeks ago that they had, the Tennessee game would save the season if they could get it. Yeah. I said it on. I could. I think it was actually on a. It was on Tennessee radio show this week that I was on and I said if they beat Tennessee it salvages the season if they lose and this is before the Georgia game and Missouri game and flip had they lost today 
they would be one and three, and then they would have been going and playing Georgia and probably going one and four, given the circumstances and the morale with the team Mm -hmm. with the one and three start. This changes everything, Jack. This gives them motivation and it gives them confidence to face a difficult schedule remaining, but they this is also a team that's probably feeling like they let two slip away early in the year. It, it kind of feels like you, know, you remember last year that feeling of the the bad start, the injury with Terry. You know the, how you know when we got to that South Carolina game where it felt like, oh boy, this season is about to it, it's about to collapse. We got that week like you know we got that going into the to the Mississippi State game like that we had that same feeling this year of oh boy things could get really ugly really fast and and you know you you think of last year and how they turn how quickly they they turn things around revamp the offense under Lynn Bowden uh, at quarterback and and they got they got a few signature wins that blowout win at you know against Louisville and you know the, I mean there were just several you know, several massive games, and 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 it kind of feels like we are in that moment right now where we've all right, we got through the rough part. We've kind of you know we've kind of taken our beatings to start the year, um, but you know they're just starting to find their footing. The defense looks like the elite defense that we genuinely thought they would be going into the season. Um, you know, the running game after kind of hitting a hitting a wall, you know, last week and then especially going into this week. I mean, the, the, the beginning of the game, the, you know, U.K. rushing attack was just horrible. Uh, it just yeah. kind of feels like that third quarter, especially today, it was just like everything started clicking on both sides of the football. And it was just like, oh, OK. Oh, 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 maybe this. Okay, this is what we need to do for the rest of the year. This exactly. is this is what we got to do to be the elite, you know, team on both ends of the on both both ends of the uh, ball. I mean, just speechless. I mean, this game was just so massive can, on so many fronts. The thing is, is that a lot of wins last year. You know, Lynn Bowden was the attention. Like he was pretty much when. Keeley would take photos. He was 85% of them because he had the ball uh-huh. pretty much the entire time. Today, it feels those, – those wins were great. Those wins kept the program moving in a positive direction. But today, I could name 10 guys right now off the top of my head that made impacts that we all will remember. Uh, boss man with the pig. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Jamin Davis with the pig. Matt Ruffalo, who had a huge field goal there after the Keaton Upshaw drop. Mm-hmm. That was a huge field goal just to make it a three-score game because Tennessee went and scored. Then he followed it with another field goal. Terry Wilson, Chris Rodriguez. I mean, there's so many names. J.J. Weaver. Like, so many guys had their hands on this win. And today was the first day because we had a mailbag question on the podcast earlier this week. And somebody asked me, who is the playmaker? Who's the guy that they lean on? Who's the guy that st- sticks, you know, sticks out on both sides of the ball? Jack, I don't know if they have that. I mm-hmm. think they have a lot of that, if that makes sense. I think that they have multiple guys like Josh Pascal, who had the big game last week. He wasn't as he was quieter today coming off the injury, of course. Boogie Watson. I mean, there's so many names on this football team that's making plays, and I don't think it's a bad thing that we don't have that modified star that you just label as a playmaker. Yeah, and I I do think that we will need somebody at some point to, you know, if nothing else, just kind of establish himself as the, okay, 
stuff's going south. We need we, we need somebody to make a play for us right now. Doesn't I mean it doesn't especially on the offensive side yeah, of the ball. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a, a massive superstar, but just a reliable guy. And it might I mean shoot, it might be Josh Ali. I know he had the costly fumble, and you know, but there, but there's still a lot of options on the table for Kentucky. You know, even shoot the look at the way Keaton Upshaw responded to. Yeah. His his big drop. He had that big catch over the middle. I mean, oh. there were just so many, so How about many. Jaton McLean. Oh well, that's I mean, that's a guy. Are that... you like we? You know Eddie Grand. You know Mark Stoops. Have Have you when Benny first took over, and he backed boom. If you recall, JoJo Kemp was still getting the number two carries for mm-hmm. most of that season. Have you ever seen Eddie Grand stick a freshman on the road at Tennessee? In a situation where the game is still up for grabs. Yeah. And it wasn't A.J. Rose. It wasn't Chris Rodriguez. It was McLean's turn. And they went to him three straight times. And he and freaking that right converted. there was enough to tell me that, you know, we've heard about how special this kid is. And we do that every fall camp, Jack. You know that we hear those one or two names. And then we end up not hearing from them until the next year. Know that this kid's the real deal, and I think that that showed the trust that they have in him today, and it just shows you the depth that this program has now. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to. This I'm I'm going to use this as a as a pure positivity podcast because there, there's no reason for for negativity. I mean, this just only optimism this this way. But the only thing I will say is, if you are watching this game with your own two eyes. I think we know the order of of uh, of production in Kentucky's running back unit right now, and I think yep. we 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 all know where where I'm going with that. Chris Rodriguez, I think, is without question the go-to guy, and he needs to be moving forward. I think Cavassier Smoke is right there when he comes back, uh, you know, from his his rib injury, and then Jatom McLean. I mean. I don't know. I I don't I don't want to I don't want to say anything. You know, but but I mean something's got to give. There's there's a it's a very very stacked running back room, and the cream rises to the top. And you know, it's just Kentucky's in a position as a program now that when you when you're recruited, you can't just rely on your recruiting ranking or your billing in high school. You have to do something on the football field because they're bringing in somebody right behind you that can take your spot. And that's not a bad thing. That's the only way that you ever get to the point that you beat the Tennessees and the Floridas and all these powers in the SEC traditionally is you you have to have depth. I've said it for years now. I remember as a kid watching this exact matchup today and Kentucky would hang around for two quarters and then the depth would take over. Well, you're seeing it on the opposite side now. Kentucky just absolutely played big boy football in the third and fourth quarter and they – they did. They threw the ball, but then when it came down to the end, they just ran and ran and ran, and Tennessee had no answer for it. They did. They did. It was just nothing but absolute pure beauty that that happened tonight, and and, and we just were very very happy about it, very excited about it. All right, we'll uh, we'll move on from from the from that topic. This, like we said, this is not a football show, but we just. I mean, we figured a win of that magnitude deserved you know fifteen twenty minutes of 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 you know rewarding conversation i mean they 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 earned everybody to talk about it whether you're a basketball person or you know whatever the case is they have earned every every ounce of of respect for for that win so we'll uh, we'll move on from that 
we're not going to jump into a bunch of the specifics of recruiting in this show because, uh, like I said, it's it, this is going to be a very interview-heavy show. Uh, but real quickly, there were a couple massive, massive news bits this week uh, in terms of the Kentucky basketball roster, and I wanted to ask you about them real quickly. The NCAA officially approved two different things. Well, one is is a, a vote that's going to occur in January, but one's one straight-up official, and that is the NCAA has approved a blanket waiver that – essentially means that this year all winter sport athletes are granted an additional year of, of free eligibility. No penalties, no questions asked. If you compete this year, it means absolutely nothing for, you know, you like Davion Mintz, for instance, uh, as a grad transfer, will be able to play two years at Kentucky if he wants to. But the biggest news out of all of this is the fact that Olivier Saar right now the holdup with with him is the fact that the SEC has a rule in place that that players with less than two years of eligibility remaining must sit out for a year. They must have one one year of residency at their new school before playing for a season. With this, he now has two full years of eligibility, and by rule, he should be he he should be eligible at this point, right, Sean? Absolutely, and that's what we talked about on this podcast a week ago, Jack, was that by rule and by the way that that rule is written, there is no way that you could deem him ineligible because he would technically have two years of eligibility remaining. You know, and I hadn't even thought about Davion Mintz. Like, it hadn't even crossed my mind that if he wanted to, he could come back to Kentucky for a second season, uh, which given the way that the roster has turnover every single year, Jack, it's not a bad problem to have that you could look at a guy that, you know, point at Creighton and be like, hey, you, you can come back another year if you want to. Well, and you right now everybody goes, ah, well, Davion Mintz, he's been in college for four years. There's no way he's going to want to return. You know, he he's already – you know, he's going to want to – you know, if I hope that he has a, a year good enough to go to the NBA and, you know, go explore the professional route, whatever the case is. I hope that's what happens. But you also look at guys like Nate Cicino, where I'm sure going into the year last year, we would have said the exact same thing about him. And then what was he saying at the end of this past year when the NCAA was trying to decide if they were going to you know, give a blanket waiver to winter sports athletes this past year? He said, I am all in. If they give me the opportunity to return to school, I am coming back without, thinking, well, without, without a doubt. And two, you know, the Olivier Saar situation. Let's say he does get eligible. And let's say I mean, he he will have the option too to yeah. play two years at Kentucky. Yeah. Who I don't know what he'll choose to do. I think he's coming to Kentucky to put himself in position to be a professional. But let's say 2020 is weird, and we know how weird it is. Who's to say that they don't? Some of these guys don't decide to use it. I think it impacts them more than it does anyone else. Like I, a lot of these guys that are younger classmen, Jack, they probably won't be at Kentucky long enough to get to their junior year, let alone you know, have an extra year of eligibility. I do think it's big for a guy like Dante Allen. Right. Who's coming off some injuries that you could sort of, he'd be technically a freshman for three seasons now. (laughs) I think, I think that's the first time in in history that would ever be done. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's just such a massive, you know, deal for everybody. And I think, I don't have the specific ruling in front of me right now, but I believe Jeff Goodman said something along the lines of, of, you this does also apply for people transferring from school from one school to the other it goes against the scholarship limit if you if you stand in one space like Davion Mintz for instance would be able to um 
he'd be able to have two years of eligibility. But if he wanted to transfer to another school for that one year of el- extra eligibility, it would count against their scholarship limits. Right now, if you know Davion Mintz's case would not count for any scholarship rule or whatever, he would kind of be just a, a freebie on the roster. But if he were to go somewhere else and use that free year of eligibility as a, a as a a super grad transfer, whatever the case is, um, that school would have to use him under that scholarship, keep him, you know, keep him under the scholarship limit of 13. So you also think of that, you know, that extra possibility of John Calipari sees another guy, you know, another grad transfer, another, you know, sophomore, junior, whatever the case is on top of the free year, uh, the, the trans one year transfer rule, passing in, in likely in January, you also have that in your back pocket as well, that you could take on any other transfer that wants to come in and, and utilize that additional year of eligibility. Uh, they they do have it. So, I mean, there there's just so many new options that have presented its, you know, presented themselves for Kentucky. And it's just, I mean, wow. It, it, this week in terms of breaking news for the, just the long, both short-term and long-term future for Kentucky basketball. I mean, just, I mean, it was a big freaking week, man. It was, it was a huge week and, uh, cap it off with Kentucky football's win. And there, there was a lot of good news for the UK programs this week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, let's just, let's jump straight into, uh, our interviews, but first off, I need to talk about my friends at my bookie. Between the NFL, college ball, and MLB playoffs, there's no shortage of games to watch. And with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with MyBookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. You. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at MyBookie, and when you do, use our promo code Sources Say to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. It's a bonus designed designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code Sources Say for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bids, all the major sports, and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at my bookie. Sean, I, I have to admit before uh, before we get off here, I put in a five dollar bet earlier this morning before the day, and it was like I mean it was like a nine game. Just I mean it, a bunch of freaky stuff would happen would have had to happen, and I was perfect leading up to the Louisville game. I actually bet on Louisville to win this game. It was a big <laughs> big crazy parlay. They failed me, and this bet would have made me ninety five hundred dollars if I if if I hit it was five dollars for nine. I I mean it was a bunch of wacky stuff. The odds of it hitting were very slim to none. But Louisville is the reason why why that bet failed me. So if nothing else, just gives me another reason to just hate on Louisville. That that, that sounds like me. Last year <laughs> I did the same thing. I put five dollars 
on some weird parlay that just was had to be off the wall in the one game that cost me was Kentucky Tennessee when uh, Lynn Bowden got tackled there on the goal line. Oh. <laughs> I won literally like six thousand dollars. Oh gosh. Oh well. I, I hope that our listeners will utilize this opportunity, use that source to say promo code with my bookie, and and convert on our mistakes. Don't trust the Louisville Cardinals. Don't just you know just trust the Kentucky Wildcats. Trust. Go with your gut. Win a bunch of money. That's what we do best here on the Source to Say podcast with our friends at my bookie. All right, Sean, we are going to jump into our interview with Hunter Salas and his head coach at Millard North, Tim Cannon. But first, Sean, where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GBB Country on Twitter or at GoBigBlueCountry.com. And you can find me on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, enjoy our interviews with Hunter Salas and his coach, Tim Cannon. We are now happy to be joined by Millard North basketball head coach Tim Cannon, coach of 2021, five-star guard, and serious Kentucky target Hunter Salas. Coach, how are you doing today? Uh, great, Jack. I'm doing very fine and uh, kind of uh, getting antsy to start a high school basketball season here, which we will begin practice in about – I guess it's about four weeks now, official practice. Well, that's, that's obviously very exciting, and uh, it, it helps when you have arguably the most sought-after you know, guard in, in high school basketball right now, and Hunter Salas, um, you know, one of UK's top recruits on the board. So we wanted to have you on and just kind of you know, use this opportunity to, to, to you know, break down his game, learn a little bit more about his personality off the court, what it's like to coach him, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, so, yeah, we obviously appreciate you coming on and, and telling us all, all we need to know about Hunter. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we, we can just jump right in. How would you best describe Hunter's game? Um, you know, give me a, a scouting report um, of, of what he's like on the court. Well, he's very good uh, slashing, getting to the basket. He's extremely good in transition. I always feel if he gets the ball somewhere around half court in transition, even if they're back a little bit on defensive transition, he'll get to the basket. He's His strength is getting all the way to the basket. and uh, He used to just kind of slither between people because – He's kind of slight of frame, but he's he's gotten a little bigger, a little stronger. But now he also uh, goes right over people and uh, gets to the rim and dunks <laughs> that way. Uh, but he also, I've felt over the last couple of years, he's had a very good uh, pull-up jumper from about 15 foot. And then in the last, I'd say, summer and this fall, I think he's really improved his three-point shooting, which I think is really vital to his game. In terms of, of Hunter at the college level, there's you know there's some rumblings that you know some coaches are kind of recruiting him as like a, a Jamal Murray two, but can you know can play run the one, can you know kind of that versatile. He could play off ball, um, but could also bring it up the court if need be. How how would you best uh, you know how do you think he would be used best at the college level, and, and what kind of role would you would you hope to see him have? Well, I pretty much what you said there at the end, uh, playing either a two or a one. Some offenses, some colleges, it doesn't matter a whole lot, but just a, a guard who can really handle the ball. But I will say this, he uh, has really picked up, um, again, I say late summer and this fall, 
making sure that he's bringing the ball up the floor. Um, every time we play against each other, you know, in open gyms, we'll divide our guys up where, where all the top guys are not on the same team. And I amazingly have at least three guys who think they're point guards and bring it up every time. <laughs> so they like that, but you know, it's really helped. Um, the two that are not our point, our point guard is committed to old dominion. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, he truly is a point guard. Uh, but during these inter squad games, Hunter has made sure that he's bringing it up. He's made great decisions passing the ball. Um, his scoring continues, but his passing has really improved as a guy who would do it, uh, as a point guard. We also have a league in, uh, a fall league where coaches don't coach and he's he's played a lot like a point guard there and really made good passes and it hasn't hurt his scoring. He continues to score. He's really made a lot of three point shots lately where you can you can see the benefit of how he's worked on it. Absolutely. Now we had a Atlanta high school coach, Jared Boston, Damian Collins coach last week. And, and I asked this question, I, I said, you, say you're the opposing coach going into a game and, and you have to stop your star player. I asked, I asked him, you have to stop Damian Collins. What would you do? And, uh, and he said the night before I would just go to bed and I would pray really, really hard because there's no, there's nothing else that I could do. So I'm going to ask the same question to you. If it, say you are the opposing coach trying to stop Hunter, what what would you do? What, how would you game plan around him to to slow down your star player? Well, I, it's it's a great question, and I like the way you posed it. And with uh, coach's comments there, uh, for me, I have felt fortunate. I I have just thought about it many times walking into the gym before a game, thinking the benefit we have is we have the best player yeah. uh, in the state of Nebraska, and maybe in a large area here. I. Uh, <laughs> I would hate to guard Hunter. You got to keep him from having the ball. Otherwise you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. And, and on a serious note, if he has the ball, um, yeah, he doesn't have a lot of weight to him. So there are teams that I guess I would try to do this, try to just bump him a lot and play physical, but he's gotten way better about that. His frame is better than even six months ago. His strength is better. So, I think he's way better at finishing with contact too. So that's been a nice improvement, but it's um, seriously, I would just, he's, he's going to get the ball. So then, you know, as a coach, you'd have to double it and, and play physical with it, but he's had that and he's learned from that. He's already way better on, on playing through that. Now you talk about his development now, probably two years ago or so, you know, you know, you look at, at the schools that were reaching out to him and kind of where it, it seemed like he would end up. And, you know, one could argue that, it, you know, odds are pretty good that, it, that it, you know, it would have been a, a regional mid-major type. You know, it, it seemed like he was that level of talent. About a year later or so, you know, he's starting to get, you know, some of the, the local high majors and, and some other, you know, schools uh, kind of like that nationally. And I mean, just over this last six months or so, I mean, he, he like we kind of talked about to start the show, arguably the, the most sought after guard in America right now. I mean, just kind of talk about that development and, and how he has kind of taken this, uh, you know, personally to develop his game in such a way and, and, and how he has gotten to this point. Well, I think some things happened in, in phases when he was going into his sophomore season, he received some offers the summer going in to that season. But, you know, the thing that became most noticeable 
is all of a sudden the hunter's dunking because he wasn't dunking like that as a freshman. <laughs> and, and guys in the gym are going, oh, man, if he starts doing that, besides what he already does, it's pretty good. you know. But he was only – he's probably 6'2", 6'3", going into sophomore year. And then uh, I thought going into junior year and during junior year, he improved so much on his pull-up 15-foot shot. It was just really, really hard to stop you know so his scoring average went way up uh junior year and he had a a great year and now the thing i see that he's done is uh developed a three-point shot and and i think he's legit six five and i've always thought he might leave high school six six or six seven we'll see but uh the height has made a lot of difference with him and his scoring ability his defense is uh it's something too, especially when we tell him he's got to guard, you know, the big guy on the other team. Usually that big guy doesn't score much. I mean, he's really good at shutting down a, a good scoring opponent. I believe he's ranked as high as, as number six in the country. And, you know, depending on where you're looking, number two combo guard in the country or number one point guard. You know, does does he care about those rankings? And, you know, is he, is he one of those guys that look at look at that and say, ah, number six, I want to be number one? Or, you know, what is his mindset about that? And, and what do you see his ceiling as in terms of ranking? Do you do you think he's the best point guard in, in, in high school basketball? And, and where would you put him if you were doing the recruiting rankings? Well, uh, you know, first of all, I don't, I don't think he cares too much about the rankings, but he has a lot of pride and he, he knows about the rankings and he wants to be number one, uh, you know, with our team. And, but I'm sure at the rankings too, you know, it's difficult for me because I don't see people, but I do know, this is a six, five guard who's able to do the things you want at point guard. He's developing so much in that way. Um, he might be the number one point guard in the country, but <laughs> I, I sure like what he does because he handles it with his head up with either hand. Uh, he's making great passes right now and his scoring has improved all the way along last year in our district uh, tournament to go to state, he didn't really get a lot of shots. So he only scored about 12 points, I think. Uh, but he had about nine assists. I mean, he had a great game and, and we won the game pretty easily, really but in the locker room. He's the happiest guy there. He didn't care about the points. He's glad we won. He knew he made a lot of good plays on the passing. And so, you know, he might be number one point guard when you get a six, five point guard, it's pretty nice. Yeah. And that's, that's something that, uh, that, that, you know, Coach Cal, John Calipari, I mean, you look back at, you know, the Andrew Harrisons of the world, the John Walls, the, you know, De'Aaron Foxes, you know, that's that's kind of, you know, what, you know, Coach Cal's expertise, you, you know, that's the, he he just seems like the, the perfect, you know, prototypical John Calipari point guard. And that kind of leads to my next question, uh, player comparison. You ask around, and, and it seems like the one name that ev- that everybody kind of throws around with Hunter uh, is Shea Gilgis Alexander. I'm kind of curious. I don't know if that's just like you know Kentucky, Kentucky blue tinted goggles comparison, or if that's something that that you as his coach sees. You know what what would you give in terms of a player comparison if if you do have one? Well, I think they are similar in that build and that angular long body. And then so good with the ball, you know, that can score or, or assist it. The first time uh, 
comparison came up, it wasn't me. I, I heard somebody say it who has nothing to do with Kentucky. And, uh, you know, I tried to watch Shea more when I could. And I, I can see that a lot. And if Hunter comes out of high school six seven, you know, he's a pretty good comparison. It's yeah. especially the way they they can go to the basket. They can score in different ways. And I do think it's a – I think it's a pretty good comparison. Gotcha. Now uh... – his mother Jessica uh, is is very well known as you know she's she's a well known well known hooper in her day. She you know she, you look up you look up you know online you know old stats and all that you know she she definitely uh, she could definitely play back back in the day in both of their primes. Who would you say is winning in that one on one battle between Hunter and Miss Haynes? <laughs> uh, tough one to answer because she was so good and. Uh... You have to have been around long enough to appreciate it. And I've been around long enough. I remember she was great. And she she also ran track. And I believe the way the stories go is some other girls that were really good basketball players would just talk her into running on a relay team so they could win the state championship. So they did a lot of that. <laughs> and, and her running mates in the relays were, were very good basketball players. I, I think Jessica, I've always said she's got to be in the top probably the top three players in the history of this state. And, and, and probably another one was one of her teammates at Omaha central and they ran the relays together. Jessica made a, uh, a shot at the buzzer to win the state championship game. And so, you know, she's got that edge right now, but maybe Hunter can get that one back this year. And uh, tough comparison. She was, uh, she was something, I, you know, I, I just, I know a lot about her high school play, and she was extremely good. Hunter is extremely good. And, and like I said to you earlier, I feel when we go on the road is when I think about it the most. We're going into an opposing gym, a tough environment, but we've got the best player around. So that's a nice feeling. And we've got some other really good players to go with him, and they're good friends and um, guys just developing in that way. And. And by my understanding, his cousin is also James Harden, uh, which, you know, I mean, are these genes or just, you know, like, where does this even come from? Like, I mean, one, one, what is that connection with James Harden that you know of? And, and uh, I mean, you just think about it with, with how good Jessica was and, and just, you know, how good Hunter is. I mean, there's some, something, something's obviously, you know, I don't know if, if it's the water they're drinking or what, but, but something's obviously working in that, in that family. Yeah, I, I really don't know, uh, you know, how much he gets to even see James, but I know they're related. And I, I think when you see Jessica, to me, right away, she looks like a basketball player. Yeah. <laughs> so does Hunter, so does James. And by that, I just mean they've got that long body and uh, just the way they carry themselves. I would, I would take a guess if I walked into a room, that, you know, they all would play basketball and they've all played it really well so you know that's that's a really neat deal i i don't see james personally like i see hunter's mom jessica but um she looks like she can strap up those shoes right now and still go at it pretty darn good (laughs) (laughs) they've had those discussions a lot as as hunter grew up they've talked a lot about who's better and she's pushed him and 
and those things. That's that that I think that's something that we would all appreciate seeing and uh, you know maybe maybe one day after practice if if she goes picks him up from practice or something you got to record it and and uh send it our way and we'll we'll uh, put that out there just just to you know just to just to prove that she still got it. Um yeah. all right. Yeah. Now you know everybody can go on YouTube and see what Hunter looks like on, you know on the court and all that but you know you're around him you know more than just about anybody out there, what is Hunter's personality like, and and uh, you know what does he like to do outside of basketball? Who who is Hunter as the person? Well, uh, uh, quiet, humble, very good to other people, and not as quiet as he once was. I, I had him in class as a sophomore for all 180 days of his sophomore year, and I talked to him going in and going out all 180 days, so that way we could be talking about other things and. And, you know, not just basketball. I had him as – that was sophomore. I had him junior year for a semester, 90 days. So, I, you know, I got to see him around other students. He's very polite, uh, very, very non-assuming. You know, I, I think when all the recruiting began, it might have even just been at a point early where, you know, he might not have even been comfortable <laughs> with all that. I know – Yeah. Uh, I remember a story that – he was somewhere, uh, and I think he called his dad right away. I think he was at somebody's birthday party, you know, like their sophomores, and he had just started to get all those offers, and mm-hmm. he'd only been there a half hour, and he asked, I think he asked his dad to come get him because he didn't like talking about all the offers. <laughs> all that stuff. Um, but he's not as quiet as he once was, which is good. He's very, very good uh, with interviews. He's done a lot of interviews, especially right after games. He's fantastic with young kids. My, my grandkids are, are some of those young kids. He's been so nice to them, but he, anywhere he goes, kids want autographs. They want pictures. And uh, he's phenomenal on, on doing that, how patient he is. But I, I just think he's a person that treats other people well, and that will carry him a long way. He's, he's very polite. Um, I'll tell you a different story if you want, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, all, I'm all for it. That's that's what this is for to to learn learn as much about him as we can. So go for it. Well, the, the story is we're we're playing our our conference tournament. It's called the Metro Conference for the Omaha area, and it's 18 of the largest schools in Nebraska, and it's tough to win the tournament. And we were headed down to our championship game last year, and we did win. Uh, we so we did our little shoot around practice and. We're leaving, and Hunter's still out on the floor. And my, uh, at that time, nine-year-old grandson Eli is rebounding for him, and um, it goes on for a few minutes, and then he knows we got to go. So they ended up, and and they're the only ones out there then. And I hear Hunter tell my grandson, "Thank you." So I I went over to both of them and I said, "You know, I, I talked to Hunter alone for a second. I said I think it's great that you told him thank you because some kids wouldn't thank a nine-year-old. So I really appreciate yeah. that." And then I went over to my grandson and I said, Hunter, just thank you, which is what people should do, but some people wouldn't. So I want you to see that's the way they act. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, later on, the conclusion of that is we're going to the state tournament. It's, it's right before the state championship. And I look out there, we're ready to leave again, and Hunter's rebounding for Eli. Wow. <laughs> and that, that was pretty cool. And, again, they thanked each other. So it, it was just a nice thing. I used to go to games with my dad. He was a coach, and I remember how much it, it means when you're that age. And it was really a cool experience. 
Wow. Yeah, that, that's an awesome story. That's that's very cool. Exactly what what we're looking for and, and you know, learning more about him and what he's like. Um, you know, you, t- you touched about it a, a little bit, you know, about his recruitment and how things started and how it was kind of a little bit overwhelming uh, to start with. How, how have things been since then, especially, you know, especially recently in these last several months with, with all the Blue Bloods coming in? And, you know, I know he's down to 12 schools now, but, you know, how, how has this recruiting process been at its peak? And, uh, you know, what kind of role have you had in that and kind of, you know, given him guidance and, and how to how to you know go through all these offers and kind of nail nail down favorites and and which way I should be, lean, be leaning and all that stuff you know how, how how have things just gone in general well it's uh the word fluid is recruiting quite a <laughs> bit uh, the 12 you know for example the 12 became 13 within like a day yeah because yeah. a coach Coach Kenya Hunter was at Connecticut, and Connecticut was one of Hunter's schools. And uh, Coach Hunter had been at Nebraska and had a great relationship with Hunter and his family. So Coach Hunter uh, got a job at Indiana. So right away, Indiana went on Hunter's list also. So we went to 13. Uh, <laughs> uh, kind of in phases, uh, a phase last year that was phenomenal, starting on September 9th until March. We had 65 Division One schools uh, visit our school. They're either wow. in, like, we can't practice till November, so they'd come to an open gym in September, October. And believe me, that started right away uh, as soon as they could visit. And we also have a graduated senior who went to Stanford, Max Merle. So at that time, some of them were looking at Max, too. But um, And we had coaches come in the gym and, and they'd say, well, who's that guy? Because right now we have three guys with – I'm sorry, we have four guys with Division One offers and a fifth one who's he's got Division Two offers. So it's kind of wow. cool to have them notice other guys also. Mm-hmm. But out of those 65 visits, our guy, Max, who went to Stanford, he committed real early. So from September till March, these 65 visits occurred, and they were, they were all about Hunter. Wow. <laughs> So we've done everything. They've watched open gyms. They've watched regular practice. They've been to games. Um, we've sat in my classroom and talked with the coach and Hunter and his parents. And uh, it's it's been a really cool process. I I thought at times it would just be overwhelming, um, but it wasn't. Uh, I think he's, once he got used to it, I think he's handled it really well. Um, I, I've enjoyed it. We, we've had one day our wrestling coach walks through our gym and we had coaches there from Iowa state and from Kansas and Missouri all at the same time. And <laughs> I'm, I'm good friends with our wrestling coach. He said, you know, I know I'm a wrestling coach, but, uh, I've watched blue chips before that looked like blue chips. All those guys <laughs> coming into recruit. And I said, well, some days it's that way. We've had 10 coaches come to a game sometimes. So we have coaches corner. We put all these chairs down two corners at one game. It was so crowded. Uh, you know, he takes, uh, I, you know, any advice, I think from what I think, and then his mom and dad do a great job of researching the schools. Um, his, he's got an individual workout trainer and, you know, he takes some of his advice. He's handled it really well. And I think he's in the phase right now. It's changed because nobody can visit in person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, phone calls to him is kind of where it's at. And, you know, and I get some of those phone calls, but uh, we had 
so much going on with those visits. It's changed a lot. They can't come in. I don't, you know, January maybe, but who knows if that'll happen. Yeah. And now obviously before all this stuff, you know, maybe Kentucky would have, you know, if this, you know, coronavirus and all that was, if, if it wasn't going on, uh, but you know, Kentucky has come on just recently in the last couple, uh, I guess month or two. And, and I mean, it's just kind of been full steam ahead ever since then, you know, what, what has that relationship been like? How fast have things moved on their end? And, uh, you know, what do you know about their, their level of contact and just their, their relationship as a whole right now? Well, I think they talked to him a lot, you know, coach justice has, and then, um, with coach Cal, it, that is mostly through Hunter. I've, I've talked some to, to coach justice, but I think they've got a lot of, a lot of contact with him. And Hunter has told me, and, and he told me early, he just really likes their style of play, you know? And, and I think he looks at it, it being a good school and style of play excuse me he definitely wants to play in the nba but that's not the first thing he wants to go to a final four also you know so he's got a lot of things in mind and he knows kentucky's a good spot for those things what what do you know of their pitch to him and in terms of how they'd use him and and you know those sorts of things from your conversations with coach justice and what hunter has told you about his individual contact with with coach cal well, I think part of the uh, thing that and their pitch and thing he likes is that they play, you know, such a fast-paced game with a lot of perimeter players and maybe one big. But I think he likes that uh, style of play where it's it's really guard, you know, guard-oriented. A lot of guards, a lot of fast breaking. Now, I think a lot of people play that way today. But he did say specifically he really likes that. Uh, the style of offense and the ability to fast break and and not have things clogged up in the middle, things like that, you know. So he he definitely likes their style of play. Now, do you do you you know you look on twenty four seven sports and and rivals and and you look at the the future cast and and the crystal ball picks, you know, all the recruiting insiders and experts right now. I mean, it, I mean, it, it seems like there's been a, just a, a strong run of Kentucky picks. And you know, do you think it's just you know, educated guesses at this point, you know, kind of like what you just said, you know, he's a big fan of this, of the style of play, the system, and, you know, it's kind of putting two, two and two together, or, or do you think that there is some, some legitimate Kentucky buzz right now? And, and, you know, kind of just where things stand with the decision timeline. I know, I know he said uh, in some recent interview that he was going to at least cut his list soon, didn't necessarily, you know, pin down an exact decision timeline yet, but you know, what, what do you know of on, you know, on, on that front and, and why why would you guess that there is that that recent string of, of Kentucky picks? Well, I, I think it's uh, strong, educated guesses, you know. And, and when you talk to Hunter, he's always very, uh, very tight-lipped about, like, favoring anyone, and, and which I think is a, a way of showing respect to mm-hmm. a lot of great programs. Absolutely. Um, there are times that I hear just – in the buzz around town here that uh, he really likes Kentucky, you know, but to be honest, I've, I've heard some people say he likes someone else too. And, you know, he, I do know he really wanted to commit this November before all the COVID. And I believe now he wants to wait longer. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's changed things. 
Absolutely. Do, do, have in, in terms of uh, what he, what he has talked about with you, in, in terms of the the biggest you know deciding factors, and and you know you kind of mentioned that he wants to play for a Final Four. Wants you know there are a couple things, but is there like one one big thing that uh, would potentially you know lead to him committing to one school over over another? I think uh, you know one thing has been very strong. His parents are great about teaching him the value of education. So he hasn't, you know, said, Hey, I've got to have the utmost best academic school, but he wants to have a good academic school. And I think he strongly wants to play the final four. I think he wants to enjoy uh, the style of play and teammates. He's only been able to make one official visit. But when he came back from that institution, the first thing he talked about is how he enjoyed uh, – it was game day, and he enjoyed uh, how they did things with their shoot-around. And, and just, you know, he enjoyed seeing the, the type of guys that were there. And then I think, he, I think he very intelligently wants to be someplace that will help him develop because he has a goal of, of the NBA. We've talked about that. He doesn't have a goal to be a one-and-done guy, but he, he just – he eventually would like to do that. So, you know, he's looking for a school that would fit all those academically and that style of play and uh, Final Four and NBA and Kentucky seems to be a pretty good place to have some pretty good chances to do that. Absolutely. Are there, you know, I, I know this is a Kentucky show and, and I, I was obviously going to talk a bunch about uh, about Kentucky, but, are, you know, what other schools are, are standing out for him and, and yeah, you know, has he talked highly of? I know there's been some Iowa State buzz. Obviously, there's some Creighton buzz, and and you know what what you know what else? And it, it I do kind of feel bad because it does seem like it's all Kentucky buzz recently. And and you know, like you said, you know he he does have a lot of respect for these other programs, and, and you know we'll, we'll feel like they should deserve some of that same spotlight as well. So what 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 else? Uh, you know, what other schools are are up there right now and has, has he talked about uh, that have have really prioritized him oh well i do think creighton's up there and he he likes the idea of being a guy who can play in his his hometown and we've talked about the value of that that whenever you're done with whatever you're doing with basketball mm -hmm. you would have a great life in omaha if you wanted to be here because people would remember what you've done and uh, i think that means a lot you know, playing in his hometown means a lot. He, and he knows some of those guys. He's had some guys gone to the NBA lately, and he's, he's played with some of those guys, uh, Kyrie Thomas and Justin Patton. There been some NBA guys. Uh, but, you know, he loved Gonzaga. That's where he made his visit, and uh, he sees the value there of, uh, you know, school. Chances they go to the Final Four, and they have NBA players. Uh He's, he's really liked Kansas. He's liked North Carolina a lot. You know, sometimes he tells me about, <laughs> he did say that he really liked Coach Williams, you know, and mm -hmm. it was kind of cool that he said that, not meaning that he doesn't like somebody else, but he did make that comment. And uh, Oregon's done an unbelievable job. They've been they've been on our campus seven times since wow. they started recruiting him. Yeah, and that's been uh, – that's been phenomenal. Coach Altman flew in one night. I think that's the first night he actually saw him in person. And with Coach Altman being a former Creighton coach, I've known him a long time, and we're we're good friends. And as assistant Kevin McKenna, we're good friends. They've been in a lot. But Coach Altman's first uh, trip here was 
on uh, Phil Knight's uh, personal jet, the, wow. <laughs> uh, the Nike magnet. So that was pretty cool. He was showing me pictures of the jet, but uh, <laughs> Oregon, Oregon's been on him strong, you know, and, and just, and all those other schools he has a real interest in coach Nate uh, Oates from Alabama. He's the one when he came into our gym within five minutes, he's going, well, who's that guy? He looks like he's a vision. <laughs> that was our guy, Max, who went to Stanford, but yeah. he pointed out, two or three more and they all have division one offers now that was pretty cool because i'd never met coach Oates, but just the things that uh he talked about i think he's he's doing a, a great job so there's there's a lot of interest kansas has been up to practices and games and you know there's just really good places iowa state now that's uh coach james kane has done a fantastic job of recruiting hunter for a long, long time. And they were one of the very first to offer. And uh, Coach Kane recruited, he was at Murray State and recruited Jean Morant to come to, to Murray State. So, you know, he, he knows his evaluation of players pretty well. And mm-hmm. he, he's recruited some other guys that have gone to the NBA. And he, he has said to me, he said, well, I, I think I'm recruiting another guy who can definitely go to the NBA, which is nice. But, you know, that's not the that's not the biggest thing right now is I know Hunter wants to have a, a great senior year and enjoy high school and then enjoy college first and see where it goes. But all, all those people have been pretty big. And obviously the others too, uh, you know, that have offered him stuff. And we, we've had nights. There were so many coaches in the gym. I didn't even get to talk to all of them. And uh, well, coach Murray at Louisville, was there and uh, Bill Murray's son. And I said, Oh man, I would have liked to meet him. I didn't get to meet him. <laughs> Heck yeah. So, uh, guys, it's been in the gym, the nights they've been to our games, it's been phenomenal. My wife was trying to get bottles of water for a bunch of coaches and trying to save seats because we were getting nights last year where we had to turn people away. But, you know, we made sure all the college coaches got in, but we had to scramble for seats a lot of nights <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean it's just i mean you, you talk about 65 different individual trips and i mean they yeah it, it definitely sounds like it's a uh it's been a whirlwind and uh i i appreciate you updating us on on all that and and yeah I, we're we're obviously well, looking forward to yeah yeah well uh you know jack, it would have been the same this year jack if if coaches could visit because because hunter has not committed Mm-hmm. And we have a six eight junior with five really good offers now. He'll get more. So they would have been in to watch him. We've got a senior, one of Hunter's best friends, has about fifteen offers, but hasn't committed. So we would have done sixty five all over again if, <laughs> if it was open. And I, you know, I've coached forty two years, and uh, you know, I tell people in Omaha, I said, "There's." There's not a gym in Omaha that's ever had 65 visits in a year. I guarantee you that. Wow. Well, uh, where do things stand with, with your all's upcoming season and, and, you know, the timeline of everything? I know you, you mentioned when, you know, when practices start, but ha- have ha- has your all schedule changed, you know, completely? Or how, how much have you guys had to shuffle that around? And, and when, uh, you know, when are things going to really start ramping up here? Well, we're okay with our normal uh, – conference schedule and then we get about five teams outside the conference it's all fine but what we had done because of the guys you know that we have being 
recruited, we had added three national games and now two of them have been canceled because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, that's been uh, frustrating. It just happened. We had one in St. Louis in Highland, Illinois, that they have an event every year. And a lot of NBA guys have played in it. And we were set to play in early January. And at this time, they hold about eight games that day. At this time, there were going to be over 20 Division One recruits playing in those eight games. So that was going to be really wow. fun. It, it got canceled uh, because of COVID, but we are, we're working on another game like that where we would travel and play a big opponent. And we do have Oak Hill Academy coming to Nebraska to play in an event uh in a town here grand island nebraska has this event every year so we're playing oak hill and most of that is there's like six games of nebraska teams against each other then there's two games where we bring in somebody from out state so we're playing oak hill we hope <laughs> we <Yeah. still> hope. <laughs> and uh we lost uh sierra canyon was going to come to omaha they were going to come here and play wow LeBron's son is and yeah we lost that, you know, basically because high school basketball in California is backed up to March. So yeah. uh, we lost some things, but uh, hopefully we get one replaced quickly. And you know, the kid, everybody, the kids and the parents are really looking forward to playing those national teams. And we want to keep our mind on playing our high school opponents and all our goals there. But it's still fun to play those games. Yeah, we uh, I, I I applied for credentials for the, the Pangos event, you know, the recruiting is basically shut down, you know, all the, the, the big national events and, and all that, that I'm used to going to that. It, they all got canceled. So I, uh, that was like the one big event that I was like, man, this, I think this might be the only thing we could, we'll be able to go to. Of course that just got canceled here in the last couple of weeks. So I was actually personally mapping out a, all right, well, if all these events are going to get canceled, I might as well just like take a, take a road trip. I'll go see, you know, some, a recruit up in Chicago. I'll go, you know, drive over to, to Omaha and see you guys drive down to Atlanta, Texas, see Damian Collins. You know, I, I had this big, big road trip mapped out in my head and I'm just like, man, that's it, things, things were all so much simpler back last year when, when it was just, you know, all these big events were hosting all the big players and all that. So yeah, if you, if you guys are, are ever in this, this area you know, of, of the country, Kentucky or, you know, wherever your national schedule takes you, I'll, I'll, uh, definitely, definitely make my way that way because I'm, I'm dying for basketball just as much as you guys are. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> well, yes, that'd be, that'd be great. Yeah. You know, the one we have here in Grand Island right now, we'll have Oak Hill. We'll play Oak Hill and then Sunrise Christian Academy has come the last two or three years. They're going to play Bellevue West. That's who we played last year in the state championship. So there's a couple of good ones there. And I hope we have one more we're scheduling, but come to, come to Miller North at any time for some good games. We'd love to have you there. Absolutely. We will. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll end it with this. Um, whatever school lands Hunter, uh, what, what is going to be the one thing that fan base should be looking forward to the most about his, about his commitment? Well, uh, you get a great kid. He's <clears throat> who's, who's good to other people. And you get a player that's very entertaining because of the way he slashes to the basket and uh, finishes in midair. One night he dunked, and he, he oh, I've got some pictures of him where he's really parallel to the ground. But one night he landed on his head, and uh, thankfully he, he was okay pretty much right away. We just sent him out a little bit. I thought we might have to just 
you know, keep him out the whole game and see how he was. But the trainer said he was good. And after the game, his mom said, Hunter has learned how to fly. Now he needs to learn how to land. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, that's a little scary when he does that. Because he does, he gets, he gets uh, parallel to the floor. Uh, Jack, I do want to tell you too, all the Kentucky fans across the world, I taught for... 28 years my previous school with a man who could every time we talked he'd get on Kentucky basketball so we got a <laughs> Kentucky fan here I always I just called him UK that was my nickname for him and wow he'd tell me about the cat paws articles and what was next so uh he was an English teacher where I taught before his name's Pete Kilgore and he has been very excited to hear that Hunter is considering Kentucky. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, uh, maybe maybe he'll work some magic and and send him send him our, our way to Lexington. Well, uh, Coach, yeah. we we uh, we really really appreciate you jumping on here. This was this was a blast, and uh, look forward to talking to you uh, in the very near future. Well, thanks, Jack. I appreciate it very much. Very glad to talk to you. Anything I can do to help, I'll be glad to. We are now happy to be joined by 2021 five-star guard and Kentucky target Hunter Salas. Hunter, how are you doing? Oh, I've been good. I've been good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We've been uh, trying to get you on the show for a couple weeks now. Looking forward to talking to you and uh, learn a little bit more about you and your game and, and, and where your recruitment stands, all that good stuff. Um, you know, I got to start – you're one of the fastest rising prospects in high school basketball. I mean, just two years ago, it, it seemed like you were kind of trending toward like a, a mid-major regional school. Kind of a couple months later, you know, you're getting some some bigger offers, but not, you know, the high majors. And then and then here, I mean, within the last year or so, last six months especially, it just seems like all the, all the blue bloods, all the big-name schools are, are coming after you. What's it like, you know, to kind of have that, that development, that true development going from where you were just a couple years? years ago to now and uh you know what does that say about your uh you know about your work ethic and your drive to get better um really it's just just me knowing like there's always need for improvement so just never settling when I got those uh mid-majors um I just was stayed hungry and always wanted more so I just kept working me and my trainer my trainer stayed on me about getting in the gym working hard and we just kept working and kept sticking with it and we seen improvement, so I'm just happy and very humble and blessed. How would you, you know, I, I asked Coach last night about, um, you know, giving given a scouting report for you. What would you give, you know, what would be your own personal scouting report uh, in, in terms of what you bring to the table and, and uh, you know, what what you're what you're best at? Um, I'd say I'm really best at like being a playmaker, getting downhill, uh, getting my teammates involved uh, on defense. I feel like I'm really good. Um. I've really been working on my three-point shot, so that's been come, becoming a lot more consistent. Thank you. And uh, just stuff like that. And uh, we know, like, in college, I'm going to need to work on ball screen, so we've been working on that a lot, too. So just just little stuff like that. Now, there, there, you know, when when you ask people in recruiting circles and people that, that really follow your game closely, you know, the, you ask for a player comparison, and the one that everybody kind of brings up is Shea Gildas Alexander. I'm curious, you know, what would be your own personal player comparison, and it, was there a player that you modeled your game after the most growing up? Um, if I had to be honest, um, uh, growing up, I didn't really like really watch Shea that much. Um, but since I started hearing like a lot of the player comparisons, I really started tuning in and like watching his his film and stuff. And I, I could really see like how they say that. 
So mm. I, I'd say uh, I resemble him a lot, too. I, I'd agree with this. Gotcha. Now, your mom, Jessica, it's it's pretty well known that she was a big-time hooper in her day. Uh, Coach Cannon says that she could probably still lace him up right now if if, uh, <laughs> if, she, if she really wanted to. Uh, he gave me an answer, and I'm, I'll tell you what he said afterward. But who's winning in a one-on-one uh, between the two of you right now? Right now, me, for sure. <laughs> for sure, no question. <laughs> but, okay, he said last night, uh, he said that, about you know going into sophomore year or so she was still she was still taking taking it to you so is that kind of where where that uh you know things changed up a little bit from from all right mom got me beat pretty bad and then all right i'm i'm slowly starting to you know finally uh establish myself as as the better player uh no she probably stopped beating me around like like seventh grade that's when i stopped <laughs> losing to her but she was, yeah, was but she was still, still giving you giving you some some sort of buckets from uh from you know over the last couple of years at least so you know yeah the, a little bit <laughs> so you have that connection you're you know you're you just a, a talented family and then apparently your cousin is also James Harden what what you know yep. what about those genes and and you know what's your connection with with James there oh um, my connection with him and his dad his dad is actually from Omaha so um I'm related to him on his on the side from his dad and um really just my family i know i got like big shoes to fill so just living up to that family name because a lot of my family plays basketball absolutely um going back a little bit to you know the how things have gone over the last couple months how frustrating has it been with with everything getting canceled and postponed this summer Uh, i know you know you've gotten to participate in a few big events but but it's not the same as you know as peach jam you know the mbpa top 100 camp you know the big big time events you know how how have you adjusted to to that and uh um you know how much are you looking forward to this high school season um, well, like with everything being canceled, that really like pushed back me being able to play against some of the other top players in the country that I really wanted to play against. Um, it kind of stopped the USA basketball thing. We haven't been able to do that. And all the other prestigious camps have been like canceled or pushed back. So it's really affected me. And like really just for high school, I know there's a lot of competition in our uh, state. So just really last year we lost in our state championship. So really just coming back with a chip on our shoulder and getting the the win this year for my senior season. I, I believe you're ranked number six overall. I mean, depending on where you look at, you know, number six overall in the country, and then I believe number two combo guard or number one point guard, depending on which which out you, uh, outlet you look at. What separates your game from from you know some of the other top guards in the class, and and how much were you planning on kind of showing that you you know that you are separated from some of those other top guards in the class this summer with with the high, high profile events. Um, I really just say my versatility being um uh, a six five point guard. That's really that's that's really rare. It's it's starting to become more common, but you don't really see a lot of six five point guards. So I just say that versatility, and then just building like being able to play both. Like I I could play uh on the ball, off the ball. So just really just being versatile. That's what really separates me. Coach said that you you bring up six five. Coach said that by the time you step on a college campus, there's a chance that you could be as, as tall as six seven. You know, do you yep. kinda, you know what are the doctors saying right now? Do, do you see that as a, as a strong possibility? Um, they told me like I could by the time I'm done growing around six seven, six eight around there. 
Sheesh, that that just that doesn't even sound fair with uh, <laughs> as a as a as a point guard. Um, you know, t- talking to people about about uh, you know what schools are pitching to you in terms of fit. Um, you know, some people are saying that that schools are recruiting you as like a, as a like a Jamal Murray type. You know that that you you could play off ball, on ball, kind of. You know, you could you could play the two if you want. You could bring the ball off the floor. Well, how how do you see yourself as uh, at the next level? Um. I really just can see myself as me playing both, especially in like a system sort of a Kentucky, like Kentucky. Mm-hmm. We've been watching like there's really not really a designated point guard. It's just one of the guards gets the ball and they just run. And that's a that's a system that I feel like would be like I could fit in well because I can have the ball and also be without it. And Coach Joel told me like those are the type of guards that they recruit, real versatile ones. So. I feel like it's it's a good fit. Well, you you bring up Kentucky. You you earned that offer on August twenty first. What was that feeling like? And uh, you know how quickly have things moved between you two in, in terms of uh, you know the co- coaches contacting you and and you know ramping up interest. Well, that feeling was just great. You know, growing up watching big schools like that, it's just knowing that you have an opportunity to play there and play on TV and play in front of a lot of people. It's just like. It's like basically a dream come true. So I was very excited about that. Who you 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 mentioned Joel? Is he your lead recruiter? And and you know how much how much are they splitting up? You know, Coach Cal contacting you directly, and, and Joel reaching out to you. Um, I talked to probably Joel uh, more, but I've talked to Coach Cal a lot. I, I talk to him a lot. Have you have you gotten the chance to to talk to you know any of the new coaches at Kentucky with uh, Jay Lucas or, or Bruiser Flint? Oh, I have not yet. I think we did a we did a Zoom with them, and they were on it, but I haven't really been able to talk to them like that. Speaking of that, you, your coach said that that over the last year that you had like sixty five different coaches come in and, and see you in person. And I know there were a couple, you know, they were seeing some of your other talented teammates, but you know, right. you know, your coach was was very honest that that you know a lot of the a lot of the the you know they came for you mostly. What you know, what has that transition been like from seeing these coaches in person, see, you know, going on these visits and and you know really getting a feel for the actual campuses and and being face to face with these with these coaches and schools versus you know your recruitment almost being solely based on virtual virtual visits zoom calls phone calls text messages well it's a big transition i know from being able to go on campuses and actually be there and being able to experience how the college life would be and then instead of seeing everything virtually it's very it's it's a big difference so like really it's just kind of hard like on what to believe because you're just not there so I mean, like everybody can make something look good over over the phone and stuff like that. So it's just really it's the difficult. The most difficult thing is being able, like, haven't been able to see like campuses and being able to meet the players and stuff like that and see them play. How do you think you have been able to kind of you know go through the okay? Are should I actually believe what they're saying? You know, the the, the trust factor. How are you trusting these schools and and you know during this process? Well, when like you said, it, it, you know, you can fake stuff like that. How how are you kind of going through the fake and the in the real in this recruitment right now? Um, really, just relationships and like uh, how genuine they sound. Cause and I like I'll talk to uh, some of the players that's already on campus, ask them. Like, what's the most difficult thing that they've had to go through on campus? Uh, what's some good things that they do on campus? Just stuff like that. Just little little questions like that so I can sort of get a feel instead of – because I'm not able to, like, be actually on campus right now. So, it's just those little things just to be able to get a feel for it. 
everybody's talking about Kentucky. You know, they're getting a bunch of crystal ball picks and future casts and all that. But, you know, I, I do want – you know, Coach said that, that you, there's, you still want to show show all that respect to these other schools that are recruiting you hard and, and you know, taking the time to recruit you. Uh, you know, he brings uh, – he brought up Creighton. He brought up, you know, Gonzaga, Iowa State. You know, there, there are a bunch of schools that are really, really high on you and they're investing a lot of time in you. You know, who, who, do you, who would you say are, there is prioritizing you the most right now and uh, that, that you know, you could tell that they really want you on campus? Um, I feel like Kentucky's one of them, uh, Gonzaga, uh, Iowa State, Oregon, um, North Carolina really is. Um, there's some more school, Kansas. Uh, so there's a couple more, but basically, really, really, those schools have really showed me like they really want me, um, and they have like a really big interest in me. Now, the the evaluation period is closed likely until 2021. You know, January might be the first time that you get to see you know people in person or you know any type of 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 open recruiting. Um, but UK made that judgment call to offer you without seeing you in person. You know, something that they never do. And I know it's kind of unprecedented times, and and you know the, their hand was kind of forced a little bit. But still, you know, they didn't they didn't decide to wait until later. And you know, they they really trusted your game with. Out, you know, seeing with their own th- two eyes, what is what does it kind of mean to you that that they have that much faith in you as a basketball player? Uh, that 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 the a that they extended the offer originally, and, and and b that they're pushing pushing for you as as hard as they are. Um. Well, it means a lot. I know, like they told me, they've heard about me. They heard nothing but good things about me. Um. And they've just been able to see me on film. They they had me send them like highlights, and then also like full games. Mm-hmm. They've had me send them like good games, bad games, just stuff like that. And they just really just see me play live and just really – they really just like my game. And it, it, it means a lot because knowing – I basically know how they're feeling because I have to make a uh, – I have to choose which school I want to go to without – basically without being able to see all the campuses. So I, I feel like how they're feeling because they have to recruit kids without being able to see them, and it's hard. But it's, it's a weird time, and you basically have to do it now. Right. What did they say they, they liked about your game after after seeing the film? What were the you know some of the big takeaways that they said and, and said that they would how you know what was their what has been their overall pitch since then about how they how they would use you at Kentucky? Uh, they were just saying I'm. Uh, one thing they really did say is I, I was an underrated passer that I could uh, really pass, um, real versatile, can score, play defense. They they really like how I defended. They said they don't really recruit kids who can't defend. So just little stuff like that. You, you cut your list down to 12 back on August 23rd. Um, you know, how much further are you planning on cutting that down before making a decision and kind of where do th- things stand there? Um, as of right now, I was planning on deciding in like the spring. But um, another list could – I'm thinking another list being sometime this month or next month, so sometime soon. So, so you you're pretty certain that an early signing is is not on the table in in November. Uh, as of right now, I doubt it. Just because we want to be able to get out and see places and praying that they like open stuff back up. What what is going to be the biggest you know takeaway you know deciding factor in your in your recruitment in terms of the, the school that's going to ultimately win your win your decision win your commitment? Um, really, just like the relationship with the head coach, the relationship with the players. 
um, how I feel about the campus, um, and then really like uh, how I fit in the playing style, just stuff like that. Gotcha. Now we'll end it with this one. Um, all right. Whoever earns your commitment at the end of the day, um, why should those fans be excited about your addition? What is the, you know, the biggest takeaway uh, of, uh, you know, why, why a fan base should be excited about Hunter Salas coming on campus? Um, well, just, I'm a winner. I love winning. I'll compete. I'll compete all the way until we lose. And, uh, the energy, the energy I bring is just like unmatched. So, I'll be ready for whatever school I'm at. Absolutely. All right, Hunter, well, we appreciate you coming on and uh, look forward to following your recruitment and, and keeping in touch uh, here in the near future. Uh, thank you. <laughs>